Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Here's a five-star review we received on Apple Podcasts. You are home. Anne and the amazing BTR coaches, you are the pioneers in the field of domestic abuse and betrayal trauma. After trying marriage and family counseling, two well-known CSATs, 12-step programs, and reading everything I could get my hands on, I was done. I couldn't feel better. Why? Because I wasn't the problem. I was being abused. BTR saved my life and my children. This is what you are doing. You are saving lives. Thank you. To women considering this podcast, if you feel confused, numb, foggy, isolated, if you are lying to protect your husband or make him sound better than he is to family and friends, you are home. It is heart-wrenching to begin to accept that it's been abuse this whole time, but your BTR coach will stay with you through the whole process as your eyes open and you begin to understand that you were never the problem. You are home, my friend. Don't let anyone tell you you deserve to feel this isolation and fog and pain. Soon it will all make sense, and you will be able to make boundaries to protect you and your kids. You'll go to bed without that tight feeling around your heart, and you'll wake up excited to be alive, I promise. Thank you, BTR, for walking with me through this valley. The podcast has been with me through the darkest days. That's an awesome review. Thank you so much. Um, I agree with you. BTR is just an amazing place where we can feel peace and Uh, unfortunately for me and many others, we have been involved with BTR and we have learned these things. I still do wake up sometimes with that tight (laughs) feeling around my heart. Um, but of course I'm feeling exponentially better than I used to feel. And I'm so grateful for the community. I'm grateful for your reviews that support me personally. And they also help isolated women find us. If you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, we're also on TikTok now. So if you're not following us there and you're on those platforms, we'd love to have you. Every time you comment on one of our feeds, every time you share, it helps isolated women find us. It can make a big difference to someone who's looking for help. I have Danny Pinter on today's episode. She is senior legal counsel for the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. The National Center on Sexual Exploitation was founded in 1962, and it is the leading national nonpartisan organization exposing the links between all forms of sexual exploitation, such as child sexual abuse, prostitution, sex trafficking, and the public harms of pornography. And they have some amazing 
campaigns and things that you can get involved with to stop pornography and stop the harm of pornography. Today we're going to talk about a New York Times article that revealed that Pornhub profits from, from child sexual abuse material. And we call the National Center on Sexual Exploitation NICOSI for short. So NICOSI is calling on this Department of Justice to investigate Pornhub. NICOSI has been supportive of revoking the immunity that digital platforms used to avoid accountability and is urging Congress to pass the Earn It Act. And they have a blog um, post about this that we will put in the show notes. We'll also put it in the article related to this podcast. So... Today, Nicosi is calling on all credit card companies to cease processing payments for Pornhub. And Danny Pinter is the lawyer for one of the survivors mentioned in the Times piece. So I invited her today to talk specifically about this specific issue, what Nicosi is doing, and what you can do to help. Okay, so to start out, Danny, can you summarize the New York Times story for our audience? Sure. So Nick Kristoff, you know, he's an excellent journalist and reporter. And what he did was really highlight the reality that Pornhub's not just a porn site. It is a platform that hosts real rape videos and real videos of children being sexually exploited and abused. He did this through some examples that he discovered and also through the stories of some of those survivors. So this article, which I would encourage all of you to read, I will link to in the article related to this podcast episode on our website. So as the lawyer for one of the survivors in the Times story, what challenges are these survivors facing? One of the biggest and most poignant things that one of the survivors have said is that their abuse just never ended because of Pornhub. Each survivor's story was different, but they faced some sort of exploitation, whether that was a violent rape or child sexual abuse or trafficking. And even when that horrific trauma ended, it lived on in eternity because it was recorded and then uploaded to Pornhub. And for my client, that has meant that these videos and images have spread all over the internet and she feels completely helpless to get rid of them. She feels faced with them every day because she's reached out to Pornhub and others and asked them to bring these videos down because not only did she not consent to their distribution, she was being trafficked, but she was a minor. So this is child pornography actively online on Pornhub available for free. You can Google the site, go on it, reach it in seconds. And Pornhub also allows this for download. So even though Pornhub has been completely non-responsive to some victims, um, luckily they took down videos Nicole asked them to take down, but only for them to resurface again and again and again. Because someone had downloaded them and then did they re-upload it? Yes. And so Pornhub claims that they use this cutting edge photo DNA technology so that you know, bands, videos can never re-enter the site, but Nicole's living proof that that's just not true. Her videos and images have been re-uploaded time and time again. What are potential solutions for helping survivors receive justice when it seems so difficult from what you've described? Well, there's a couple, and you touched on some of them. The Department of Justice right now has the ability to prosecute Pornhub. I want to talk a little bit about the immunity that internet platforms face, but even with that immunity, they're not immune from federal criminal law violations. So if the Department of Justice had the will, um, they absolutely could investigate and prosecute Pornhub for the mass trafficking and child pornography on their site. So we want them to do that. 
Then additionally for victims, because there's a very high threshold to be successful in a criminal case, it's difficult and there's limited resources. So at Nicosi, we really see the value in bringing civil litigation. That's where a survivor brings a civil case for monetary damages against a company. And that holds them accountable. It makes them self-police and it gets some measure of justice and recovery for the victims. Many of these victims are prohibited from doing that because of that federal immunity, which I can expand on if you want. Yeah, can you a little bit? Sure. So there's a law called the Communications Decency Act. It was passed about 20 years ago. It was actually an attempt to prevent the spread of obscenity and child pornography on the internet, but the court struck it down, finding it to be unconstitutional, and kept only one part of that statute. And the part of that statute that it kept was Section 230, and that was a good faith shield protection for platforms. That statute meant to do was, okay, try to limit the spread of some you know, harmful things on the internet. And if you in good faith do that, then you're immune from civil liability and state criminal liability. But when the whole thing was struck down, but that we were left with justice immunity. And it has been interpreted extremely broadly because this was at the very beginning of the internet and the courts expressed that They um, wanted to allow the internet to flourish and not be prohibitive. So what that plays out in reality is internet platforms have essentially blanket immunity. That's why they've grown so large, but that's also why they're almost accountable for nothing on their site. Specifically, what it says is that websites or web platforms are not responsible for third-party content on their site. So Pornhub is completely dependent. Its entire business model is dependent around this immunity, if not structured because of this immunity. So what Pornhub does is it allows anyone to upload any video. All you need is an email address. You can be a child. We've had countless cases of minors uploading videos of themselves on Pornhub. And they say that's third-party content. We are not responsible for that. And so that's where CDA 230 immunity is having a lot of problems, not just with Pornhub, but also on some of our mainstream social media sites where there may be trafficking or abuse material and the site's just not motivated to self-police because they know they could never be held accountable. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. And now back to our conversation. So our listeners are all victims of betrayal, wives of porn users who are abuse victims. They're abuse victims because of sexual coercion. They've been sexually coerced into relationships with a man who says hey, I totally abide by your sexual boundaries. I don't look at porn. I don't visit prostitutes, but they actually do. So they're sexually coercing their wives, emotional and psychological abuse because they're lying, they're gaslighting, all kinds of things to hide their porn use. So one of the things we talk about at Betrayal Trauma Recovery is that a woman in a relationship with a man who's actively using pornography and hiding it and using gaslighting and manipulation, she's in an abusive relationship. So I'm always talking about how porn is an abuse issue. It's always going to be an abuse issue. That is the issue at hand. Is it addictive? Sure. But we really need to look at it from an abuse issue to treat it as seriously as it is. 
So talking about that, what are the solutions that would help solve the explosion of child sexual abuse and other illegal and harmful content on Pornhub to try and stop this abusive industry? Well, there's some bare minimum things that we'd like to see, which would be, you know, age and consent verification, because many women, I'm sure some of your listeners have experienced surreptitiously being recorded or maybe being recorded at the time, but not agreeing to its subsequent dissemination, which is a huge problem. You know, a lot of people understand children are willing and motivated to protect children, but it's even more difficult to get the political will behind shutting down this type of image-based sexual abuse where women were being exploited without their consent adults. There's also the fact that obscenity law is valid federal law on the books right now. And what most people don't understand is, although technically pornography is protected by the First Amendment, that's just because what is pornography, right? It could be anything from Playboy magazine, to art, to what we see on Pornhub. So technically the term pornography is protected by the First Amendment, but obscenity is not. In fact, it's not even protected in the least. The court says obscenity is not speech. It has no protection and it is a crime to disseminate obscenity. And what obscenity is, is has a long legal definition, but essentially the court's given guidelines and said that, you know, explicit hardcore sex acts without any literary, political, scientific value is obscenity. Well, that's all of the content on Pornhub. And the Department of Justice has the ability to prosecute that right now. And the truth is when they were actively prosecuting this, which it has been several several presidents ago, when they were prosecuting this though, what you see is the content itself it becomes milder and milder and milder. So the pornographers actually self-police because they know that they could actually be prosecuted. So what you get is significantly less exploited material and significantly less people being exploited. And even though this hasn't been a priority of the U.S. federal government for a long time, there was still holdover cases that as recently as, I think it was 2012, the federal government got a prosecution in California against a pornographer for obscenity. And so that shows that like it's still possible and there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that. Absolutely. It's the only way, well, maybe there are several other ways and I'd like to ask you about that to hold them accountable. I mean, maybe legally, but clearly legally they need more accountability. We need to hold them accountable. Can you talk about why they need more accountability? Yes, it's because exploitation is profitable. I think many people don't realize how exploitive these sites are and how many people are exploited on even our mainstream social media sites. And the reality is it is in the company's financial interest to have the most content possible, to have the most users possible, to have the most economic transactions occurring possible, even if that means child sexual abuse material. And we have been personally at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation shining a light on these issues for a long time. So these platforms know what's going on and Pornhub certainly knows what's going on. And they've proven they won't do the right thing on their own. They will not. They won't even protect kids. They're certainly not going to spend money to protect kids and they won't even lose profits to protect kids. So unfortunately, the sad reality is when exploitation is profitable, you can't leave it up to the corporations. I could not agree more. So on that note, how can our audience get involved with helping to stop this? 
So please support the Earn It Act. As you mentioned, we would like to see the CDA 230 immunity go away altogether. But at the very least, Earn It is a step in the right direction. So the Earn It Act would hold all platforms responsible for the very narrow issue of child sexual abuse material. So if you have child pornography on your site, you're going to be accountable for that. We need this urgently because it is an absolute epidemic. The National Center on Missing and Exploited Children get 1 million reports of child pornography a month. It is beyond the capacity for law enforcement to even investigate every case. So we need these sites to do it themselves. And the only way that's going to happen is with legislation like Earn It, which is extremely fair and balanced, despite the fact that the tech companies are spending millions to convince you otherwise. So please go to our website. There's action items there of how you can support that bill. We're coming to a close of session now, but we've made so much headway. We got through the Senate Judiciary Committee unanimously. We have a House sponsor now. We're hoping it's one of the first bills that gets passed in the next session. So please support that. I think it's one of the most urgent things we can do in the near future. So to get information about that, their website is endsexualexploitation.org. One of the best ways to get involved with not only this campaign, but the others that they have is to get on their mailing list. And they send out frequent emails to say, hey, take action on this now, write your senator now, do this now. And it's a really good and easy way to become involved. And they make it very clear about how to do that. So again, that's endsexualexploitation.org. And the bill she's talking about, again, is called the Earn It Act. And you can read more about that in the article related to this episode on our website, which is btr.org. And you can look in the show notes. One other thing I would like to say, especially to your pool of listeners, is one, I am so sorry that you've experienced what you have at the hands of pornography and pornography users. And if you've experienced anything like what we've discussed today, if you've been exploited online, please reach out to us because we very much want to represent survivors like you and we want to use your experience for the good and hold these corporations accountable. So I would encourage you to reach out to me and if you could please put my contact info in here. So we have a website for more information on potential causes of action, potential lawsuit you may have. It's called sexualexploitationlawsuits.com. So if you check it out, there's a lot of information on internet platforms and how they're exploitive and a questionnaire that you can fill out about your experience. And we'll follow up with you and we'd love to help you if we can. So That's awesome. So yeah, go there to fill that out. If you have a story to tell, if, if husband has filmed you without your knowledge and posted it online and you're aware of it, we do have a lot of women that have had that experience where their husband has filmed them having sex or other compromising positions without their knowledge. They were filmed and then he uploaded that into the internet. And so, so many women have had experiences like this here. So please reach out to them. Will you say that website one more time? Yes, it's sexualexploitationlawsuits.com. Sexualexploitationlawsuits.com? Yes. Okay. Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today's episode. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to speak to your audience. I appreciate you. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, 
and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.